Welcome to Troll Black TV's weekly podcast where we feature the world's most extreme athletes. This week, we're featuring Xavier Delarue, the French snowboarder that has won back-to-back victories at Verbier. Xavier, welcome to our show. Thanks. Yeah, no, I got to tell you, when I watch you charge down the wall of ice in your snowboard, I can't help but wonder what's going on in your mind. Is it it like dropping into another dimension? Yeah, it is a little bit, actually, but... um... To be honest, when I watch myself from the outside, I think a bit the same sometimes. But then when I'm in there, it feels, um, yeah, as you say, it feels like I'm in, I'm in my own little world, and I kind of like it, and I feel good in it. And um, and in a way, the faster I go, the better I feel. So what, does your world around you kind of cease to exist when you're dropping in? Uh, a little bit, yeah. It's a little bit of that, for sure. It's uh, Well, I must say that, like all those runs I do when I film, they're always kind of, I need to focus into them before going in them. So, you know, there's a bit of a trying to focus, trying to, to concentrate on it. And then, uh, you know, after kind of taking your brain around for quite a few times, then when you start doing the action, yeah, for sure you enter in a bubble. It's hard to describe, but um, but yeah, it's a very weird feeling for sure. Yeah, that's why I ask. Is um, when I do my thing, it's it's like everything ceased to exist, and I'm just in my own little zone. And you know, there could be cars honking, whatever, or you just don't know them. They're there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then everything happens kind of slow motion in a way sometimes. And uh, yeah, you kind of feel everything, but at the same time, you're in. You don't feel anything either. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of strange. Yeah, no, exactly. But. You began your career as a professional border cross, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that helped you get used uh, to speed in dicey situations? Yeah, for sure. And it, it gave me a really good technique. Like, it made me be really strong on my board, I think. And uh, and then after, I think that I was, yeah, like, so balanced. And then every time when I go into the big mountain, I can really adapt to any kind of different snow. I have a really mm-hmm. solid turn, and that gave, gives me a lot of confidence, I think. At high speed, well, in any speed, I think the good thing is that um, I can I feel good on all conditions because my basic technique from border cross is really good, and that way um, I think that's good. If it was powder every day, then I wouldn't need such a technique. But then, you know, in free riding, snow changes and like uh, the feeling under your feet changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there can be bumps, there can be surprises. So if you're not well balanced. Uh, then you get surprises, and then as soon as you start falling, you lose your confidence. Or the other way around, if you like always kind of stable, it's good. Then you can push it, push it, push it harder and harder. Are you still competing? Uh, to be honest, there is one comp um, next week. It's the biggest one of the year, like the final, the World Tour, uh, the the Be- on the Beckeros, Serbia, and uh, I've been doing it until last year, and I'm. Asking myself whether I should do it or not. So, uh, <laughs> why, why is that? Officially, well, I don't. I don't really compete anymore. But yeah, if there is one that I would do, it's this one. But to be honest, I'm kind of really over competing. Yeah, just, just kind of burn out of it. Yeah. So you know, after a while, pff, I've won what I needed to win to win, and uh, and pff, I don't have the fire for that. Yeah, hmm. feels yeah. kind of pointless. Pointless a bit, but. 
Yeah, there's been kind of some rumors going around that you uh, are going to be competing in the Olympics. Is that true? No, 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 no. Yeah, so, uh, sure okay, no. well, we can put that aside. <laughs> do you think in the past that competing was kind of like a necessary evil, something you had to do to please your sponsors? Uh, no, I think I think I, I like competition in myself, and I think, to be honest, I really don't regret it because it's been... It's been uh, such a good tour of progression, and I think I was really keen to to progress. And to be honest, where I come from, I come from the Aston of Norway and the Pyrenees, and without competition, I would never have been able to to stand out. And uh, how true! Competition was just a, such a good way to develop myself from when I was a kid to learn, to meet people, to see other people ride, to see what they were doing, and and then try to do better and learn from too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned so much. I learned everything really, and then. Gave me the chance to go and do my real passion. That's interesting. I want to talk to you about your relationship with fear. You talk about that a lot. Yep. Do you see Do you see fear as an ally of you, or is it something you struggle to keep in check? Uh, well, it's a uh, it's not something that's very pleasant, but that's something that's necessary for sure. And uh, to be honest, I as bad as it sounds in the mountain, you know, it would be so cool to just be like not care about anything, You'd just be happy, having the best moments. But unfortunately, to stay alive in the long term, you need to be always like a bit paranoid and keep that fear always around you to kind of keep you focused on anything that could happen around you. Because, yeah, that's, that's the thing. In the mountain, like the biggest mistake is just to to forget that there can be stuff happening. And, and I think that if you're not scared, you kind of lose that focus. Yeah, so does fear actually fuel you then? Uh, it doesn't fuel me. Uh, it kind of, um, yeah, it's a safety angel in a way. It, it, it makes me, uh, it warns me of danger, I, I think. Yeah, I've heard you say that it's easier to go faster, that speed is your friend. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Well, yeah, for several reasons. I think, first of all, uh, you know, there are different things. First, I think the biggest avalanche is having slabs go under you, uh, slabs, which means like pockets of snow that release, uh, maybe into bigger avalanches. And basically, if you don't have speed, as soon as something releases around you or underneath you, it will take you. But if you have speed, you have momentum to get out of them. Uh, and therefore, you can allow yourself in sketchy situation to just, you, you still have a bit of control, and that I like it a lot. And also... In big mountain, you know, you kind of quite often have a lot of uh, sharks underneath the snow or, or things like this. And uh, as soon as you go fast, you kind of float on top of the surface. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at this point, you don't really touch anything. And uh, I kind of like that, too. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, back in 2008, you got caught in a massive avalanche. It was all caught on film. Yeah. <clears throat> did you know at the time that it was going to be that big or did you think it was just gonna, a bunch of sloth all around you? that you could ride out? No, yeah, I could see at the beginning that first pocket that was uh, quite big but manageable. And I would never expect the whole bottom of the face like this to go. And it was like, uh, you know, like the, that first lap first, I escaped it, blah, blah, It was a bit like, whoa, that was crazy. And then suddenly you think you're out of trouble and then suddenly everything goes around you. Everywhere you look, you know, it's all breaking. And, uh, yeah, that was nuts because, yes, it was so unexpected. Yeah, you even went onto that little ridge there, and I thought you – because that's what I would have done. And I thought you were safe, and then all of a sudden the whole thing went. Yeah. 
Yeah, you almost died. Your mouth was full of snow. Your helmet was strangling you. Yeah. Did you think you were going to die? Uh, well, you know, it happened so quick that you kind of think that, but at the same time, there's so much happening and you're getting shaked like a, like a, like a little flea into a, a big pond of water. You know, you're like, you're just uh, being taken all over the place, so you don't really even have time to think. You were wearing an ABS you know, system, weren't you, on your back? Yeah, it was my third day having one, yeah. Did you have time to deploy it? Yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, to be honest, yeah. I was found on top of um, eight meters of snow. You were still under eight feet? Like eight meters 25 of snow? feet. No, no, I was on top. Uh, on above. top. So it kept you above, yeah. which is what? Fantastic. Yeah, it kept me above, and I went down um, like one and a half mile. Wow. Do you think your buddy found you because he saw your deployed pack, or did he have a transceiver? No, no, no. I was on top. <laughs> uh, you so know, an avalanche that big, it's like, it's so hard to spot you because it's just, uh, you know, I don't know if you imagine like uh, a point, uh, like over a mile of boulders of snow. So to find someone in there, good luck. Good luck, exactly. Even with a heli, they couldn't find me. So it was a bit of, it was actually luck that my friend found me. Wow, man. Yeah, I've been caught in a couple of avalanches myself, but nothing that big. Have you been caught in an avalanche since? No, no, no. That's wood. And actually, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm now. Uh, I just co-founded a company that we're coming up with a, a system to increase the efficiency of the the, the airbags. And uh, we, uh, it's a system that releases your board or your skis when you when you pull your uh, your uh, airbag. So it prevents you from getting injured, you know, with your skis, and it also gives you so much more flotation. And it also uh, calls the sa- the safety. Interesting. So when you pull it, it, and it uh, releases you your bindings. Are. What's up? And it releases your bindings as well. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant, man. Yeah, yeah, Brilliant. yeah. Um, have you yeah. thought about uh, having an air supply at all that you could incorporate with that? Uh, not really, no. No, no. No, we have a different solution, but that will come later. But uh, we keep it in the pocket. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. What are you going to call it? <laughs> uh, it's called uh, ReZero. It's like the company is called Avafloat, and Avafloat. the product is called ReZero. ReZero. Yeah. Wow. So hey, ReZero. You got yeah. to keep us on top of that because I know a lot of people who would want one of these, myself included. Yeah. Cool. Huh. What do you think that will sell for? Price-wise? Uh, I think probably 400 U.S., uh, the whole system. That's, That's what a we're deal. Yeah. I think most people are going to say, hey, my life's worth more than 400 bucks. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, and I think that's definitely, uh, like, the next level in terms of safety. So, yeah. I think, Speaking uh, of uh, danger and all that, uh, do you think that uh, – do you ever think about the risk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about it all the time. And uh, to be honest, I'm – People, a lot of people think that I'm doing crazy stuff all the time, but I'm quite freaked out always, and I'm very, very cautious, especially since I got my avalanche, to be honest. It was the best lesson I could ever get. Yeah, no kidding. At any point, do you think enough is enough? Uh, well, I've told myself that sometimes, and uh, and to be honest, it's like, you know, uh, I think you should let the waves of motivation go in a way, because sometimes you're inspired by something, and sometimes you're not inspired, and you shouldn't force and uh, and I truly believe that in the mountains, you know, you shouldn't spend 
all the time in the mountains uh, because after a while, I think you you kind of increase your chances of doing bullshit if you push it, push it, push it all the time. So I think it's good to. I'm not one to be up there pushing it all the time, and I don't recommend it. I think for free riding. But um, yeah, there's definitely times where I'm like definitely not inspired. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's like you're doing a flirtation with death. Yeah, well, yeah, a little bit sometimes, and and it's a bad feeling. Yeah, have you ever guilty of it? Yeah, have you ever sensed it before? The presence of it. Uh, for sure, many times. Yeah, yeah, many, many times. Especially on shootings with big crews, where you kind of, uh, you know, you're uh, like with a huge setups and a lot of money involved, and and you know you need to perform, and everybody expects you to perform big time, and poof, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah it is. The pressure's on. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it's cool because you feel confident and you want it, but then uh, sometimes you wake up on the on the left on the wrong foot, <laughs> and you don't mm-hmm. necessarily feel like throwing yourself uh, into into big things. And yeah, it's a tough one sometimes. I'm just curious what you think. Um, what happens when we die? Yeah, 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 yes. But to be honest, I am not scared of dying for myself, and uh, like because I think. That whatever it will happen anyways to us and and uh, to have lived it almost you know you you don't feel anything really it just happens but it's just for the rest like I think uh, I feel guilty for my daughter for my wife for for my brothers and sisters my parents to to just die like this uh, by being stupid uh, I would hate that you know and I hope it doesn't happen <laughs> does that uh, temper you a little bit well for sure. Yeah, 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 sure. I'm definitely not a. I don't like playing with death. That's for sure. Smart. What's the uh, gnarliest line you've ever written? You think? Well, I think uh, it was probably this year we wrote um, like the, in the north face of the Aiguille du Midi on the Mallory, but uh, in really alpine condition, really, really hard, really early season. And that, that might be the gnarliest line. Is that one? It's not like I wrote a a crazy spine line in Alaska. It's, it was called well, we called it impossible actually. And uh, yeah, it was uh, for the deeper movie with Jeremy Jones. Hmm. I think that was uh, like one of the craziest one I did. Yeah, but you're uh, here to talk about it. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most snowboarders, including myself, will avoid ice at all costs, but you seem to gravitate towards it. Um, I'm just curious, when you're riding it, um, are you riding on an edge the entire time? No, no, no. It's just uh, as soon as you go on on the ice, the only solution is to be flat-based, pointing down. Yeah, because if you try to put the edge down, you're you're, you're down straight away. And that's what I like about it. You need to calculate your thing and have the good line into it. And then once you go in it, you go in it. You have no choice. Smart. Yeah, you usually ride with a pair of ice axes. Uh, are you afraid you might follow them at all? I don't know. No, it's just I got used to it over the years to always have an ice axe because like, even in stupid free riding in a resort, sometimes like you go and look for a little entry or, or 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 you arrive a bit early and the snow is hard and you're like on your heels on top of these cliffs 
and you're fucked. And if you have a nice axe in your hand, just boom, put it down in the snow and you're locked. And, uh, and so, you know, like, like all the time had by having it, you save yourself so many of these scary, stupid situation that are, um, yeah, that, that are actually quite dangerous. And, um, and, you know, and like, so, so basically I got used to ride with them and then now I, I just love it. Having, having it in my hand, you know, I let it drag on the snow uh, and I think it's part of me. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Do you still ride with hard boots? No, 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 no. Yeah. I, mean, I like, um, my boots are always kind of open and kind of loose. Cause right, I like, okay. I like them You've changed. Quite soft. What size board do you usually ride? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 63. 63. Yeah. And pretty stiff? Uh, not, well, yeah, uh, medium, I would say. Yeah, well, yeah, I think it's got a stiff torsion more than anything else. So when you go on a trip, do you take a bunch of different boards with you, depending on the conditions? No, I try to ride the same board all the time, pretty much. I've got two sizes, and I uh, just gravitate between them, really. Yeah, and I keep you, uh, always the same setup as well because I kind of like to be feeling at home all the time. Yeah, so you're not doing anything that you're not used to doing. Yeah. How about wax? Are you are you waxing uh, before you go out every time? No, I'm pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad? <laughs> I'm actually better than what I used to be. I used to have such destroyed boards all the time and... And now, uh, I guess you know, it makes your life easier to have a well-prepared board, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> definitely not good. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Well, if you're doing that ice, I would think you'd want a nice sharp edge, you know, so. No, because you go flat. <laughs> you go flat. <laughs> you go straight. Now it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've written uh, a lot with Jeremy Jones. You see yourself doing more films together? Uh, I don't know, because uh you know we're both uh like to, you know we've been doing it for a while we like to do it our own way and then uh i'm kind of happy uh being my th- my thing on my own rhythm but who knows yeah maybe one time could be fun but uh but now i yeah. have less and less patience to go with uh you know like uh to on on other people's schedule i want to enjoy the ride i want to <laughs> i'm a bit more difficult on that point uh, tell us about your uh, timeline productions. You've been uh, yeah, well, for a while. It's basically we, we, yeah, we started doing some films together, and it's been great to make my own production because, yeah, like I could basically tell the story as I wanted and live the ad- adventures I wanted without having to follow yeah other people. And that like, uh, kind of gave me the, the possibility to make my visions happen and, and, and organize those incredible trips to Antarctica, to, you know, like the, the paramotor, Jumping from the Paramotor last year in Svalbard and Alaska and and uh, all the other films that I've done, so it's been really really nice. Are you using drones quite a bit? Yeah, now we use uh, drones. Now I'm actually doing um, a fully self-documented um, a project, and uh, you know we created this uh, this uh, fully autonomous drone. It's basically a autonomous flying camera, so then. Now I'm able to auto shoot myself uh, from the air when I ride. So that's really cool. Oh, nice. It's so completely it, game changer. Yeah. So was it like a chip that you put on you, and it's like a GPS thing that follows you? 
It's actually the phone. So with your phone, you control it, and then it takes all the insults from your phone and follows you. And it's actually pretty mental. I, I rode last week uh, the north face of the Peak du Midi in the Pyrenees, which is a 3,000-foot north face, full speed. Uh, I rode the, the week before the uh, like the north face of the Bec d'Eros here at, at uh, 10,000 feet, uh, minus 15 degrees Celsius, uh, full speed, same, and, and it works really badass now. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's like a game changer because, as I told you, it's always difficult to travel with so many people and organize and get money to pay everyone and stuff. Go with my wife. I've got a camper van, and we travel around Europe, and we go and make our own adventure at our pace, and, and I love that. That's very cool. It gives you a lot of freedom. Yeah, I, to be honest, this year I have the feeling to that I rediscovered snowboarding, and I'm like a little kid, and we're going out every single day, and it's bah. And I feel so good on my board, and and uh, I have no pressure, and it's so cool. And I do cool stuff, too, so I'm really stoked. That's awesome. Uh, tell us yeah. about filming that Point Break remake. You did quite a bit of shooting in that film, too, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it was, yeah, really, really interesting to discover that whole world of Hollywood, which is a, a way different scale from what we used to, for sure. And, uh, yeah, so we spent basically, uh, two times five weeks, uh, shooting that, um, two years ago. And, uh, it was in Italy and it was actually, um, yeah, quite interesting, quite frustrating for some point, you know, to be, to have such a, a, a strict script that we had to, to do exactly and that, it, which was really, really difficult to make happen in real life and especially with such big crews. So we had a lot of uh, lost time and lots of lost opportunities. But then towards the end, we started, um, you know, like we gained the, co- the confidence from the director and then he let us do more and more. And and uh, we worked more and more our own way like we used to. And, and then I started working better and better. Yeah. Were you shooting with like a red camera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were actually uh, yeah shooting. We shot a lot ourselves, actually, because uh, they hired some people. They were not able to follow us. And so we're like doing kind of follow follows follow ups like into big lines with a with a red camera in the hand. So I was really interested. You know, we had fifty thousand dollars in the hand trying to to follow <laughs> each other. Once I crashed and like let go of the camera, it completely exploded uh, into No. Uh, yeah. The camera yeah, exploded. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh well they yeah. got insurance for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, fine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really hard to do because I have a real good buddy, uh, Tommy Day. I don't know if you know him, but he shoots a oh, lot. Yeah, of, Day, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, he shoots a lot. And we were doing a commercial one time, and I just remember him just bombing down the mountain, following Tom Burt. And he had yeah. a camera in his hands, and he was just like flying down behind him. And you know how fast Tom Burt can go. Yeah. And Tommy was right yeah, behind yeah. him, filming the entire time. And I'm just going, oh my God, this guy's going to eat shit. And he never did. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, he's, he's, you've had opportunities to travel all over the world. You've been in Alaska, Greenland, Antarctic. Have you seen much evidence of global warming from your point of view? Uh, well, it's difficult to say, to be honest. More and more, I, I find that since two years, it feels like the whole planet, like the whole global temperatures are higher, that's for sure. But to be honest, um, I think what everybody feels is that the weather is going more extreme, that's for sure. So that uh, sometimes it's like 
like way too warm for the season or way too cold or it snows crazy amounts and then nothing and it goes uh, it kind of feels like in a few days you could have four different seasons and yeah is that affecting the conditions uh, a bit in a negative way well not necessarily to be honest uh, because uh, like for example like well, actually, when we were shooting that point break film, for example, it was November and it was way too warm compared to normal, and it snowed, and the snow really uh, packed all the summits as if it was in the spring, so you could write anything, whereas normally it's just like such dry snow that doesn't stick to anything, and you cannot do anything, and, and because of that crazy weather, like for that shooting, we were able to shoot for months in quite comfortable conditions, but... Uh, so to be honest, no, not really. It's just uh, like for big mountain, it's almost better that it's warmer in some ways. But yeah, it makes the layers of snow stick a little better, I would think. Yeah, totally. Uh, and the snow stick better to the mountains. But to be honest, uh, it's a bit selfish to think that way because it kind of sucks to see the the, the planet uh, getting a bit crazy. Yeah, kind of scary. Quite well. How how old are you now? So about, uh, I'm thirty six. 36. Still a young cat, man. Yeah. Where do you see the progression yeah. of snowboarding taking you? Uh, taking me? I don't know if I'm really uh, so much part of the progression of snowboarding. <laughs> but um, no, like to, to me, I'm, uh, I don't know. I feel more and more uh, that I know. Uh, what I'm doing and, and I like that because uh, I feel that I can adapt myself better and better and uh, and I'm more into like trying new concepts trying new new things always and that's what really drives me rather than pushing snowboarding because I think I've reached a few years ago a point where basically if I was going to ride harder uh, I was going to be dead uh, uh, straight away because it, it was really really close to the limit and I think that you cannot stick to that level for, for too many years so now I kind of uh, explore snowboarding in a different way. And like, for example, yeah, last year I was like, yeah, jumping from paramotors, using paramotors to try a new way to, to access things. Uh, then doing trips on boats to, to, to try to find new locations. So, and now I've been exploring the fact of being able to self-film my, myself and tell the stories myself like this and, and share different stories with people that people are not used to see and things like this. I think that's what drives me. I need to feel that I'm learning, otherwise, uh, uh, yeah, I really get bored of doing the same over and over. And I'm definitely not one of those guys that will work on something slowly over the years to get better and better and better. I need to change always. That's how I get better. Smart, man. If you were going to say what would be the crown jewel of Big Peaks to board down, what would it be? Oh, well, yeah, it's like the north face of the Aiguillette uh, in Chamonix. It's called the Namblon. Uh, have, you, have you done like that? N-A-N. No, no, no. Uh, it's one that I would like to do, and that did it. that would definitely feel like it's, it's been in the last fifteen years. It's been good once, and it's been uh, you know end of June. It's like we need really, really specific conditions, and yeah, that would be amazing. Do you think it will be good this year? It's impossible to say, to be honest. For that, it would need to 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 rain really high. Uh, for a really, really long time in May, May, June. Yeah. In regards to innovations, how has technology changed the sport of backcountry, you think? Uh, 
well, uh, you mean for me or for in general? Or? I would say for you and in general. What have you experienced? Well, I think I think that now they're like you know with mobile phones, with all the tools that we have. You can, uh, you know, know where you are, call rescue. You have much, much better um, uh, rescue kits, you know, uh, ABS transceivers and everything. Uh, yeah, you've got like quite a few applications that kind of uh, help you a lot to, um, yeah, to kind of uh, take the risk down a bit. But at the same time, I think that the mountain is a really good uh, place on Earth to being able to realize that technology has got its limit and that it kind of save you all the way and that you're still a human and you still put at risk and uh, that you still need to be uh, to watch for yourself and and I and I love the the, the principle of that yeah no, that's smart if there was one problem that you wish that we could solve what would that be in terms of snowboarding uh, in, in a technology matter yeah, technology, equipment-wise, if if there was something, you know, everyone experiences that. They go, God, I wish they had this. Yeah, I think it could be cool to have a really good uh, step-in system. Wait, oh, like, if you could just come on your board, like, clack, clack, and that, that would make your snowboard much lighter, much easier to carry, and uh, much easier to step in uh, into it. I think that would make snowboarding a lot, a lot nicer. Yeah, I remember the original step-in, the clickers and all that. I had a pair myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but they had their uh, problems, you know, the bottom of you stuffed with snow and yeah. you couldn't click in. So you're thinking more yeah. lines of uh, something, you know, borrowing from the ski technology? Yeah, well, there could be some crossovers for sure, but, yeah, I think it would be it would need to be designed all the way from scratch. So yes, yeah, there, there would be definitely the the technology for it, but all it takes is one brand to put the proper effort into it. But it's definitely not in the in the line of what people want. I think no one wants that. So, hmm. where do you see the future of splitboarding? Uh, the future of splitboarding split would have to go through through step in. That's for sure. <laughs> that's what I would think. Makes sense. Yeah. You climbed when you lived in Chamonix. Do you still climb? Uh, I climb a lot less because now I spend my summers at the beach. I surf a lot more since uh, five years. <coughs> yeah, I was wondering about that because I read that you uh, mountain biked and surfed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Do you find, do you find that the snowboarding crosses over? I find that snowboarding is actually a bad thing for surfing. Because uh, the techniques are so opposite, yeah. And uh, oh my god, it takes me always so much to adapt from one to the other, and I can't get rid of my horrible snowboard style all on the back foot when I surf. <laughs> so difficult to switch. Oh uh, yeah, because your feet aren't strapped in. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and, and especially the way I ride in snowboarding, I'm so much on my back foot, and I've got such a heavy like style snowboarding so in surfing it doesn't help me <laughs> train off season at all no I hate training, <laughs> hate training. I try to do stuff all the time but uh, I don't want to call it training because uh, otherwise uh, it makes me, <laughs> me so no you don't go to the gym and pound weights at all no no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I do yoga sometimes 
but uh, no, I hate it. <laughs> hey, at least you're honest, man. Uh, this next question has nothing to do with snowboarding or climbing or surfing or anything else, but I have to ask you, considering you're from France, what do you and most of your friends think of Donald Trump? <laughs> Everybody laughs at him. <laughs> uh, big times. Because, um, yeah, I don't know. To to us, it's like he uses cliches to sell his thing, and uh, and it seems like there's no way that he could uh, become president. But uh, But at the same time, he scares us. Uh, also, that if he comes, you know, he's so like uh, focused on the U.S. rather than seeing the interest of the of the world, and uh, pff, it's just scary to see a guy like this. Uh, do you have a motto that you live by? A saying that you like? Uh, not really, uh, not really. But uh, no, I just try to enjoy life as much as possible and respect people and. And uh, love nature. Yeah. Pretty basic, though. Yeah. Well, this next question is kind of like along the same vein of um, the last one, actually. Uh, what words of inspiration would you like to share with the Triple Black community? Well, I don't know. I would like to encourage people to to go. Well, if snowboarding helps me to do one thing, is to basically overcome challenges to have dreams and to go and try to achieve them and, and to re, like to do things that you thought that were impossible and to be honest that's what I've uh, learned uh, the most um, you know that's what's been the most useful to me in my whole uh, life as a snowboarder it's been the best lesson and I hope that uh, I try to transmit that through my films and through my adventures to people and I hope that I can uh, yeah, pass this message that's beautiful. Like, don't be scared to dream and to 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 dream big. Dream big. Yeah. Yeah. Why not, huh? Go for it. Go yeah, for yeah. it. Don't be scared of falling. Yeah. yeah. It's part of the process. Well, uh, I can't thank you enough. Uh, just listening to you has made me yearn for Shamani again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's uh, a thanks, good year. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's good to hear, man. Hey, thanks for your time. I really yeah. appreciate it. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Be safe. You too. Have a good one. Yeah, ciao. Bye. That was an amazing conversation. There were so many takeaways. I'm not sure where to begin, but here's one big one we should all remember. When you're going skiing or snowboarding in the backcountry, do a little research about the avalanche danger and always go with a buddy. Wear a transceiver and an ABS backpack system. It could very well save your life. Until next week, my friends, this is Dan Goodwin with Triple Black TV, your entertainment source for extreme sports.